Hello, Heart and Soul listeners. I'm Pastor Greg Lundstedt, and I'm so glad that I can share my series from Equipping the Saints with you. I pray that God will grow each and every one of you in Christ through this series. are living a life and you are not submitting to God in the areas that he has declared in your life, if you're not submitting, you are a huge target and Satan is going to take advantage of you. Submit therefore to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, he will draw near to you. Now he's talking about repentance here. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, purify your hearts, you double-minded. Confess your sin. Be miserable and mourn and weep. Let laughter be turned to mourning, your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord, and he will exalt you. This is what we are to do. And when we are not humbling ourselves, we are targets. We will be used by him. Now, in the same light, unforgiveness is the same thing. When we are unforgiving, we are used by Satan. If you have unforgiveness in your life, you are living a horrible life because you may not be saved. But if you are saved, I guarantee you are miserable because you will never be joyful or happy disobeying God, especially in an area that is so great as unforgiveness when Christ has forgiven us for so much. Second Corinthians chapter two, verse 10. But if you forgive anything, I forgive also, Paul writes. For indeed, what I have forgiven, if I have forgiven anything, I did it for your sakes in the presence of Christ in order that no advantage be taken of us, that's believers, by Satan. For we are not ignorant of his scheme. Second Corinthians 2, verse 10 and 11. Satan uses our sinfulness as a huge lever and leverage in our lives. And it's ugly to see that in the life of a believer. Don't let it happen. Confess your sin. Walk rightly before the Lord. Yes, we mess up, but don't hold on to it. Don't you dare hold on to these things. Anger and unforgiveness, worldliness, which will show in your actions. So then we have a most powerful foe. He's our constant adversary. He's the accuser, murderer, liar, father of lies. He's a monstrous reptile, cunning serpent, wicked deception. uses it to tempt us to trust our own wisdom, to doubt God's word, to doubt God's goodness. He takes advantage of us when we walk in an unworthy manner. So what are we to do? Well, notice not only do we see his schemes, but he says we've got to struggle. This is why we should be strong in the Lord. We're to be strong in the Lord and put on his armor, which we'll look at in a minute. First of all, because of the schemes to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. But secondly, we have a spiritual foe who is coming after us. Look at verse 12, back in our passage, Ephesians 6. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. We're to put on the full armor of God. We are to stand firm, be strengthened in the Lord, because we are in a spiritual struggle. We're to put on the full armor. The struggle means literally wrestling. It refers to -to hand-to-hand combat. And our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Our struggle is not against the Mormons, the Jehovah's Witnesses, the Buddhists, the atheists, the Muslims, dead denominations, or the Pope. It's not against the wave of felt, need-seeker, sensitive charlatans. It's not against politicians. 
It's not against those who attack us, persecute us, revile us, hate us, maliciously slander. Our struggle is not against them, but they are all used by Satan. Our struggle ultimately is against Satan. He says it is not against flesh and blood. Indeed, those who desire to live godly will be persecuted. And yet we know Satan does his dirty work through people. No doubt about that. Paul prayed to be protected from evil men who do not have faith, and ultimately the evil one. We know from John 15 that if the world hated Christ, it's going to hate us. We're not greater than our master. If they persecuted him, they're going to persecute us. They persecute the Lord. But we ultimately know who is behind it. Second Thessalonians chapter 3, and we'll get to this, Lord willing, in our study of Second Thessalonians. Paul says, finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may spread rapidly and be glorified just as it did with you. And that we may be delivered from perverse and evil men. That's the means in which it comes. For not all have faith. But notice what's underneath it. But the Lord is faithful and he will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. He is the one behind it. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. Therefore, we don't fight as though we are fighting against flesh and blood. It's a spiritual war. Our battle is the struggles against these rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of the stars. I don't have time to explain it. These are spiritual levels of authority and wickedness within Satan's domain. These are his minions, all that stuff. It's a spiritual struggle against the world forces of this darkness. Sounds pretty strong to me. But do not forget, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. So they are powerful, dark, worldly, wicked, spiritual forces. So our weapons must not be of the flesh or we will fail. The arm of flesh will fail you. You dare not trust your own. Maybe that's why some of you are failing as you're being attacked. Because you're not following and obeying the word of God to be strengthened in the Lord. And to put on the full armor, as we're going to see, to allow Christ to strengthen you through faith and to renew your heart and mind with his truth about you and about him. You see, these forces are strong, but we see in Ephesians 1 that Christ is far above. Verse 21, all rule, authority, power, and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the age to come. And we know from Genesis 3 that he would crush Satan. And we know on the cross that he did through his death. We know on the cross that Jesus Christ defeated Satan and his minions. Colossians chapter 2, verse 13. And when you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven all our transgressions, having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which were hostile to us. Isn't that wonderful? what he's going to do to that. And he took them out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Wonderful. When he had disarmed, notice this, the rulers and authorities, he disarmed them and made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him. It is through Christ we have victory over our spiritual enemies and the devil. First John 3.8, the one who practices sin is of the devil, for the devil sinned from the beginning. The Son of God appeared for this purpose, that he might destroy the works of the devil. We saw in Hebrews chapter 2 earlier that he died for us, that through death he might render powerless or impotent the one who had the power of death, that is the devil. 
So Satan is the defeated foe, but he will ultimately be destroyed. His destiny is sure. We see in Matthew 28:41, Jesus says, Then he will say to those in his left, Depart from me, accursed ones, into the eternal fire which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. Revelation 20, verse 10, And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are also, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Amen. Romans 16:19, For the report of your obedience has reached to all. Therefore I am rejoicing over you, but I want you to be wise in what is good and innocent in what is evil. And the God of peace will soon crush Satan at your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. The reality is Satan is a defeated foe, but yet he has a short leash in which he is able to come against the people of God, and he does continually. But God has declared how we can stand against him. Some people go out and try to rebuke him. Some people try to go use spiritual warfare techniques. Some people go in the offensive, but that's not what God tells us to do. Back in verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. The first thing we must do, finally, as for the rest, from now on, Paul says, from this point on, put on the full armor of God. Be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Be strong in the Lord. Now, the only way you can be strong in the Lord is if you are in the Lord. You have to have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're not saved, you don't have that relationship. You are in Satan's domain. But if you trust in Christ for salvation, calling out to him for salvation, he'll save you and you'll be delivered from darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son. You see, without Christ, you're on your own. But we in Christ are on our own also apart from abiding in Christ. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord. Now, the way this is said here, it's in a passive voice, which means allow yourself to be strengthened by the Lord. And what does that mean? The term be strengthened speaks of be given the ability to do something. Endunamo. Continually allow yourself to be strengthened in the Lord. How do we do this? It's by faith. It's by total reliance on Christ. Continually be strengthened in the Lord. How do I become strong in Christ? I'm strong when I am weak. When I am abiding in Christ and not trusting in myself, I'm strong when I am weak, when I rely on Christ. Be strong in the Lord. And then notice this, in the strength of his might, kratos, strength in his might, ishkosh, inherent power, powerful God, way above all. Be strong in God's power and strength. Be strengthened by him. When you trust in Christ, you are strengthened. Very clearly, we are to do so. Look at Ephesians chapter 1, back a little bit, in verse 18. Paul says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. That's not a very good translation. You might have a different translation or a note. Having had the eyes of your heart enlightened. It's already happened. Because of this, then, he says here, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and notice this, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe. These are in accordance with the strength of his might. There's our phrase. 
which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and dominion in every name which is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. Rely on Christ. That you would know the resurrection power available to you to obey the Lord and be protected from the evil one. That you would know that. That you would believe what God has said. The Apostle Paul, when he had a thorn in the flesh, says this, Concerning this, I entreated the Lord three times that it might depart from me. 2 Corinthians 12.8 And he said to me, My grace is sufficient. My unmerited favor towards you. Everything from me, nothing from you. That is sufficient. For power, and it's pulling his power, is perfected in weakness. Now, weakness, there has to be faith with that, right? We recognize how weak we are and we trust God and how strong he is. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses that the power of God may dwell in me. I'm going to exalt in my weaknesses. I am helpless, but he is strong and he is great. Every situation you're in, I'm helpless, but he is great and he is strong and he is way above this. And I trust him that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I'm well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulty for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I'm strong. You know, God does allow difficulties in our lives so that we would rely on Christ, that we would trust in him. And instead of complaining and grumbling and falling apart, that we would trust Christ. Trust Christ. Now, he's compassionate. He understands our frame, but he's telling us what to do for our good. And when we don't listen, we will suffer. So God commands us to be strengthened with his power. You know, we're not adequate to consider anything as coming from ourselves, but our adequacy is from God, 2 Corinthians 3, 5. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from Christ, trusting in him, we will fail. Remember what Peter said concerning the devil prowling about like a roaring lion, but resist him firm in the faith, in your trust in what God has said and in the God who said it. Resist Satan, trust in God. Indeed, what extinguishes every fiery missile? It is, what? The shield of faith. Believing in the Lord and what he has said extinguishes every fiery missile. Do you realize how serious this is? When you trust in your own wisdom, when you rely on your own strength, you are in deep trouble. You're an easy target for the schemes of the devil, our adversary. So where does your strength come through? Where do you get your strength whether it's in marriage, at school, at work, raising your kids, finances, serving, where do you get your strength? Is it from Christ? Continually, personally trusting Jesus? Not some phony baloney trust, but a real trust in the person of Jesus, believing his word? Or do you rely on yourself? You see, we need to trust in the Lord. But not only do we trust in the Lord, we need to clothe ourselves with his truth. We need to renew our minds with it. Notice our passage. Finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and strengthen his might. Put on the full armor of God. Now we're going to see that has to do with the truth that God has revealed. We've got to put it on. Remember what Paul told the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 10. He said this, For though we walk, verse 3, in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. He believes that, and that's true. 
We're so wimpy at times. Oh, this is happening. I, I, no, trust the Lord. This isn't prideful. He's talking about the truth. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God, and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Every thought. Do you have a rain on your thoughts in Christ? You just let them flow about situations that have happened to you, stuff that's going on, or do you take it, hold it captive to the obedience of Christ, allow Christ to have control of them? We're in a war, and we're weak. And if we recognize we're truly weak and we trust in Christ, then we're strong. It's very serious. So we're not only commanded to rely on Christ, we're commanded to renew our minds. Look at this. Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. What's the full armor of God? We don't have time to go through this. We're out of time. But I just want to just review the pieces really quickly. And it's not simply a mantra of things we go through, but there's three things that have already happened that we just appropriate by faith that it has already happened. And there are three things that we are to do. He says here, therefore, take up diatautu, because we're in a spiritual battle. We have a foe. Verse 13, take up the form of God that you may be able to resist in the evil day, having done everything to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore. That's in the power of Christ, by the way. And now, putting on, he says, first of all, and there's three participles, having girded, having put on, having shod. They're already done. Eris participles, completed action. The first thing, having girded your loins here with truth. That's foundational. The truth is in Jesus. John 17, 17, sanctify them in thy truth, thy word is truth. Psalm 119, it's his truth, thy word is truth, right? We see it. The sum of thy word is truth, and every one of thy righteous ordinances is everlasting. Having girded your loins with the truth, you know the truth. You know the God of the truth. Rely on him and apply his truth to your heart. Having girded your loins with truth, renew your mind with it. Having put on the blessed bit of righteousness, you know, when we trusted in Christ, we became righteous. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. He who knew no sin became sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. When the temptation comes because you failed, but you've confessed, remember, we are righteous in Christ. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Then he talks about having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Kind of an interesting sentence. It's hard to translate. But the reality is we have peace with God. We walk in the context of peace with the living God. We are not at enmity with him. We were. The gospel has brought peace. God is not angry at you. He can be grieved. We have peace with God. We've entered into a relationship with the truth. We're righteous and we have peace with God. And then we have three things to actively do. In addition to all taking up the shield of faith, which you'll be able to extinguish every flaming missiles of the evil one. Believe what God has said, or you're a target. And the helmet of salvation, we see in Thessalonians, the helmet of the hope of salvation. Protect your mind with the future realities of the salvation you have in Christ. Actively think about what Christ has promised and your future salvation. Protect your mind. The helmet of salvation. And as we see in Thessalonians, the helmet of the hope of salvation. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Apply the truth to the conflict at hand. Believe what God has said. 
Listen to what Paul says in Romans chapter 13. You can turn there, actually, Romans 13. And this do, verse 11, knowing the time that it is already the hour for you to awaken from sleep, for salvation is nearer to us than when we believed. Amen. Every day, one bit closer. The night is almost gone, and the day is at hand. Another amen. Let us therefore lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Stop doing what's evil. Confess it. Get rid of those things. Get rid of those thoughts. Confess them and put on the armor of light. Let us behave properly as in the day, not in carousing and drunkenness, nor sexual promiscuity or sexuality, nor in strife or jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. Put on Christ. Allow his word to take over your heart. Allow his word to control your actions and your reactions. Trust in him. Rely on him. Believe what he said. Look forward to what he's promised. Put on the full armor of God. Put on Christ. Be strong in him and believe what he has said. Christ is ultimately the full armor. He's everything behind it. It's ultimately Christ and what he has done. So then, clothe your mind with his truth about you. Believe it and rely on Christ. So how can we be victorious in this intense spiritual struggle? Be strengthened in the Lord and put on the full armor that we would be able to resist and that you'd be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Strength confined, our striving would be.